Musk bought uh, Twitter for $44 billion in a dazzling sequence of moves. A short video about Shanghai lockdown went super viral, and a possible Beijing lockdown sparked panic. Former Trump HHS official revealed the dire side of a future COVID variant. Welcome to Wei and Kathy Show. I'm your host Wei Fang. I'm Kathy Zhang. Okay, needless to say, today the most attention-catching news would be the purchase of uh, Twitter by Elon Musk. Yeah, so the other shoe just uh, fell, right? Right. Just only 10 days ago, the task was viewed as just simply impossible, okay? Uh, because, they, you know, Elon Musk want to buy it, they don't want to sell it, okay? And the board is very united. The, the board adopted a poison pill, which would almost like arbitrarily and you know hiking the price hike mm-hmm. the price yeah. to make the purchase impossible and even Elon Musk you know is the wealthiest person where does he come up with this uh, 400 at that time 43 billion dollar cash nobody see that so that's the situation t- about 10 days ago today the news is the purchase is done okay Twitter sold itself to Elon Musk which will take it uh, to private. This would be the largest, the largest um, deal to take a company private mm-hmm. in the history of the U.S. stock market, I guess. So let's just back up a little bit to find out what happened since yesterday. Okay, so under a lot of pressure, Twitter board actually they asked for a meeting with Elon Musk, and then they sat down yesterday and have a a meeting of we don't know how many hours. So this morning, Twitter board, 11 director of them, and got together for another three hours meeting. After that, they resumed their meeting with Elon Musk and, well, basically his team. And then, um, so they tried to negotiate a go shopping, a go shop provision, which means I, I can accept a deal, but I have, to have, I have to have a time window which I just go around to find whether there's another suitor, okay? And that, that did not go through. So what do we know that is uh, the deal is sealed. And uh, the board agreed that uh, the purchase will be will, will happen, and is subject to the cons- um, the yeah the subsequent uh, a vote by the shareholder, which people won't see any problem, and then also subject to the approval of the regulators, and which nobody expect will have any issue because this is not a competition competitor of Twitter buying buying Twitter. This is what this is a car manufacturer company and uh, buying Twitter. So the regulator most likely will not see um, any problem unless something really came up. So um, just imagine, right? Just imagine, only 10 days ago, the, the Twitter board was expected to really reject this, this purchase because this would completely undo what Twitter board has put in place, including this, uh, uh, Jack Dorsey and this current CEO put in place. Okay, their culture, their principle, their way of behavior will be all undone by this, uh, basically this maverick, right? This maverick, Elon Musk. So the natural reaction is, no, we don't want you. And uh, so how did Elon Musk do it? Okay, how did he make it happen? Which seems to be impossible only 10 days ago. Let's just uh, talk about this a little bit. Well, the first reason is uh, very, very straight. Twitter does not make money. Okay, it has, has been there for 16 years has gone public for 80 years, it has a really outsized influence, okay, and uh, in shaping public opinions, all right? If you remember the Arab Spring uprising was, uh, grew out of the Twitter communication, and the political leaders has used it as a megaphone while companies 
celebrities and others, including police department and the fires, uh, the mayors and uh, school di school district, use it for image building and uh, you know and, and brand building. All right. So it's it's something very very influential, but doesn't earn much money. All right. So it, ha it has been losing money since it went public. And last year, in 2021, Twitter lost $220 million, all right? So in terms of uh, serving the fiduciary duty to its shareholder, the Twitter board has a, you know, very few cards in their hand when facing a very powerful, um, how to say, um, acquisition party. So that's the first reason. The second actually has to do with the general stock market of this past, uh, you know, week. As you know, the general stock market almost meltdown. And uh, especially the Netflix collapse and the losing, losing 70% of its value. That probably scared the, you know, the heck out of a lot of uh, Twitter shareholders. They would ask themselves, if we miss this thing, what would happen? Would the Twitter stock price drop to 20s? And then now they are facing a $54, uh, $54 purchase. It's a very sweet deal. Okay, that's the second reason. The third reason is Elon Musk not only lined up the biggest Wall Street firms behind him, he also made a big, you know, high publicity of that. So that built up tremendous amount of pressure, all right? So Elon Musk actually secured $25.5 billion in loans, okay? And another, another $21 billion out of his own money. And where does that come from? There's the, 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 well, there's no news explaining that, but people would expect he would sell some of his Tesla stock so that he, he can get that $21 billion. One way or the other, okay, yesterday Elon Musk presented them with the financial package, a full $44 billion, all right, and then which is, um, a, a, you know, which is a few, uh, I'm sorry, $45.5 billion, which is about like almost like 11% above the previous asking price. That become very very difficult to you know to say no. Mm -hmm. Yeah, who would say no? Right, because you you are losing money. Stock market is melting down, and uh, Trump's Truth Social also made progress, and the Twitter is is under siege. And then if they turn down this guy, and then you know the stock price went down to twenties. What do they say? They say, how about we just take this big premium and just sold this, <laughs> sold this thing. All right. The fourth reason is very important, why there was no why tonight. Mm -hmm. Why? Remember, right? Mm -hmm. so it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's information, it's the freedom of information battlefield. And the people know the importance of Twitter and why there was not why tonight on the Twitter side in the last 10 days. What did they do? You know, what, what, did they do anything? When, when they try to defend Twitter, they probably will go to Soros or uh, Zuckerberg or Bill Gates or whoever and get, to get enough money as the defense. Yeah, it didn't happen at all. Well, there's one or two uh, capital invest investment company were reportedly trying to, you know, like do something. Yeah, but, but it looks like they didn't really yeah. succeed. In my opinion, they are, they are too small mm -hmm. and they are, they are much, much less influential. But let me just share, share with you of my opinion, okay, why there's no night. Very simple. The reason you probably don't believe it, okay, because they don't understand Twitter enough. You know, Elon Musk tweeted 18,000 times in the last, uh, how to say, 11, 11 years. This guy lives on Twitter. He understands Twitter. He knows the value of it. How often do you see you know, George Soros tweet, on, you know, tweet every day? 
And you don't see much of that. A lot of those wealthy people who stand on the other side of the, how to say, on, on the liberal side, and they, they don't understand this platform well enough. They don't understand how important it is. So it's very hard for them to put on, you know, a, almost like a $45 billion, right, mm -hmm. for, a, for a no money making company. It's very difficult for them, and especially when they don't understand the value of Twitter as an outsized communication platform or public uh, uh, discourse platform, they, they won't reach, you know, reach to the wallet and pull a lot of cash out of it. Mm -hmm. But Elon Musk is determined, right? He said money doesn't matter, okay? It, it, the economy, the economics is, doesn't matter here. He just won this to build, he won this and he won this for a um, freedom of speech, public square. So his motivation is different. So he's really trying to make this point yeah. and to build a, a free speech platform. Yeah, and he loved it too much. <laughs> he loved it too much. So his determination surpassed, way surpassed any possible other suitors. So because of that, that reason, they don't come. And Elon Musk keep pushing. And he's very talented again in you know, just building high profile over when he you know, tried to convince the Wall Street, right? Mm -hmm. Give him the money. And that all built up as the you know, extra layer of uh, pressures upon the board of the Twitter, who has a fiduciary you know, duty to deliver the most interest to their shareholder, the people they represent. So one way or the other, in 10 short days, Elon Musk got Twitter into his hand, believe it or not, right? Well, whether he's going to re reactivate uh, the account by President Trump, what would you say? Maybe I just pause here for five seconds. And you can type it there, you say yes, you say no. Let's do a quick online survey. One, two, three, four, five. What's your answer? My answer would be yes. He's going to turn it on. And then whether President Trump will be coming back, that depends on him. I think he will come back. And for sure, he got 88 million, um, how to say, uh, Twitter followers. And as of now, as we do this news, you know, loads of people are signing up on Twitter. <laughs> and okay. some people probably returning to Twitter, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, they left, now they're coming back. And um, so, so, so this is what's amazing about Elon Musk, right? People sell things and make money. This guy buys things and make money. Twitter's <laughs> value increased instantly after he spent, you know, $44 billion. So this guy's indeed, he, he's, he's, a, he's really one of the kind. Okay, the, 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 the richest man in the world and the, the most attack talent in the world. Oh, that's the, that's, the, that's the saga of the, the Twitter purchase. Mind you, okay, I started following the story on the Thursday morning um, at the moment that Elon, actually no, before he even announced the purchase. I started mm -hmm. following the story. I made a six, story, a six uh, video program, six reports on that. Every time I'm a, one step ahead of Elon Musk. And uh, the only part I'm delayed is so as I produced the program and before I upload it on the web, he came out and beat my speed. Okay. So it's yeah. like a luck step, anyway. Yeah, you were talking. You were talking about your Chinese. Right, Chinese channel. Show. I'm sorry, yeah. it's not this channel. It's Chinese channel. I wish I, I could have done this on the, on the English channel. But as you as you guys may feel that, uh, yeah, yes, we we you know we we report enough about this, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, forecast uh, Elon Musk's move, and now it's over. I think, in my opinion, in my honest opinion, Twitter will be free, will not censor casually. And uh, most of us will live, live and breathe that there uh, you know, well. So let's see whether that would happen. Yeah. So I just want to insert one short piece of news, just yes. in light of uh, what's happening with Twitter. 
Google actually making a move that they uh, it announced that uh, they will launch a inclusive language function to help users eliminate politically incorrect words and expressions. And once people, you know, heard that, I think some people were saying, Elon Musk, how about Google? <laughs> <laughs> right? So wow. what is this feature? The feature is being introduced initially to Google's uh, enterprise level users and uh, will include uh, both warnings and suggestions as part of Google's new assisted writing features in Google Docs. So what does that mean? What does this feature do? For example, you type in the word landlord. It will generate a warning. The term may not be inclusive to all readers as well as the suggestion to replace this offensive expression with the words like a property owner or proprietor. No kidding. And similarly, Google takes issue with the word mankind, mankind, and proposes uh, to substitute it with the more appropriate word humankind. You gotta be kidding. For example, policeman and housewife, you know, all in, in this category. Police person, house. Police officers and the and housewife house, as a house stay at home spouse. Oh my God. Okay. Oh my God. So why do that? A Google spokesperson said uh, our technology is always improving and we don't yet have a solution to identifying and uh, micro, uh, mitigating all unwanted word associates and the biases. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, a campaign group called the Big Brother Watch insisted that Google's new word warning aren't assistive, they are deeply intrusive. They said this speech policing is profoundly clumsy and the wrong, often reinforcing bias. Okay, so, so guys, do you remember what is called cultural revolution? Revolution of culture, okay? This is the American version of a cultural revolution. It's Google's move. And uh, we are way too familiar with those. And they, they just turn culture turn into a weapon and hit on people that don't, don't agree with them. Yeah, so would uh, Elon Musk next target is Google? What do you think? A little more pricey, okay. <laughs> it's like, uh, if I remember right, $250 billion. Mm -hmm. That's the worth of uh, the Google. But Elon Musk, he only have like uh, $270 billion. But for those of you who bought uh, you know, Tesla, you're making him to make this happen. So keep buying that electric car, and possibly <laughs> someday Elon Musk can buy Google. Anyway. anyway, all right, let's move on to the what happened in China, okay? Yes. So as uh, China's 25, uh, Shanghai's 25 million people has been sealed in their home for nearly a month, the government in Beijing launched a series of a mass coronavirus test on Monday. It has sparked actually public panic among residents who fear a brutal Shanghai-style lockdown could be next for the capital city. A Chaoyang district in Beijing, which is the core district with the largest land and 3.5 million residents are required to do a nucleic acid testing on Monday, Wednesday and Friday, three days a week, after supposedly detecting 26 infections over the weekend. The eastern district of Chaoyang is home to the city's wealthiest residents, most foreign embassies, as well as corporate headquarters.
And Beijing has warned of increasing ca cases in the coming days, uh, with the municip municipality officials saying that uh, at the April 25th briefing that the virus has spread for a week before being detected. Then this announcement sparked a panic buying since the afternoon of April 24th, despite officials' assurance that supplies will be plentiful. So lines formed outside of the supermarkets and grocery stores in the early afternoon, while vegetables and fruits were sold out on the online platforms by the evening. The uncertainty was felt by residents in other districts, including nearby Haidian District, where no infections have been recorded, prompting citizens there to stockpile food as well. Well, officials told uh, reporters on April 25th that they would decide the next move based upon the result of the mass testing and the tracing. At a separate briefing, held later that night, the spokesperson of Beijing municipal government announced that they would launch the three rounds of mass testing in another 10 of the city's 16 districts, as well as the city's tech hub, the well, so-called economic technological development area. In China, the lockdowns are usually imposed with very little advance warning, just like in Shanghai, because the authorities fear terrified citizens will attempt to flee the targeted cities. Worries about a potential lockdown under the regime's heavy-handed zero-COVID policy sent China's stock market slumped into uh, uh, slumped to. Um, two-year low on April 25th. Yeah, both Shanghai Stock Exchange and, and Hong Kong both dropped to just um, un, you know just unprecedented unprecedented low in the recent years. In the financial hub of uh, Shanghai, there was no immediate sign that uh, strict curbs would be eased. Instead, authorities on April 24 started uh, e erecting mental barriers. Metal. Uh, yeah, metal. I'm sorry. Yeah, metal. Metal barriers around compounds to restrict people's movement. Many two-meter-high fences have been installed around residential compounds where at least one person tested positive for COVID-19. If you see the scene, you know, it's just, it's just concentration camp, okay, jail, just look like that. Yeah, when we saw the capital, you know, in Washington, D.C. was fenced, people yeah. just outraged. But if you see what's happening in Shanghai... It's nothing compared to Shanghai, but in the nature, the nature are the same. All right, so... In light of what's happening in Shanghai, uh, a person, a, re a resident actually put together a short film with less than six minutes. And this film called uh, Sound of April, that's the title. On Friday, April 22nd, China time, this short video um, documenting the outbreak in Shanghai went viral on the Chinese social media. It was uh, reposted by a large number of uh, netizens but the censors followed suit. The authorities had since restricting, restricted and removed the video and the related discussions. This ignited anger across the internet, and the Chinese netizens strongly criticized the official suppression of the freedom of speech in various ways. Yeah, the video is only like less than 60 minutes. It's very mild, okay? It's not criticizing, it does not complain. It just compiled, you know, several voice clips of the Shanghai resident who lived through the 
basically the, the, the hell in the last one month. And uh, then, well, which specifically reflects the various life difficulties and injustices encountered by ordinary residents. And uh, it recorded like uh, donated food being sold, children and parents being detained and forcefully separated and isolated. Pets were killed. Patients could not get timely medical assistance. And the environment of the, um, you know, and the, 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 the Fangchang Hospital, basically it's just certain kind of a, a quarantine camp were harsh. Yeah, so let's just take a look uh, of the, some clips of this uh, short video. Chi 现在门浪我通知人家阳性现在开云上班是个阴性我们出来了人家打幺二三四五投诉进开云搞什么搞嘛现在连上海发布微博上面都关闭评论了现在现在连上海发布微博上面都关闭评论了现在现在连上海发布
So that's what happened. It's very, something very, very mild. But now we heard that uh, the creator, the producer of the video, has been, you know, arrested. Yeah, and the keywords "sound of April" and even "April" were quickly banned. So, and uh, then the netizens on the Chinese uh, social media Weibo just created their own hot topic, like Shanghai silence, to express their anger. However, this hot search topic was soon officially banned again, and the search result for this keyword were also limited. Yeah. But just because of that, okay, because of the censoring, uh, because of the ban, that uh, so many netizens start to spreading and copy, download and uh, re-upload and spreading the, the the video. So the video become viral, just you know, not by the system of those high tech platform, but through the hands of people, mm -hmm. and it's become a just uh, again a phenomenon that that was never seen before. Okay, this banned uh, video simply couldn't could not be banned because so many people are just re-uploading them uploading it. Yeah. So that's what happened, yeah. Mm. And also another, uh, the song, uh, Do You Hear the People Singing from the movie Less Miserable. Uh, Miserable. Mm. A lot of, of our audience probably, you know, are uh, familiar with, was also heavily retweeted in, Shang, in, in, in China. This song calls on people to stand up against tyranny. So one of China's largest music platform has removed this song since 2020. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the story of Shanghai. And um, as, as we, you know, just remind you what is happening in Shanghai, what is happening in Beijing. And uh, what I really, what we really want you to pay attention to is some potential big change in China um, that is upcoming, which, which will for sure will impact the life here and hopefully in a positive way. Um, but, you know, people in China, they will need our attention, they will need our, our, our support, and at least the mental support, moral support, and um, yeah. Yeah, I think this is really waking people up in China. One netizen said, uh, wrote, wanted to talk about freedom, rights, and sing about what's really good, not what other people tell us to sing about. And he wrote, and also don't want to thank who's fed us, because it's us who fed us day after day after day. Yeah. So the CCP always say, we feed $1.4 billion, thanks to Communist Party. 1.4 billion, yeah, billion people. people, you know, um, can survive because of us, because of the party. Okay, that, that's the propaganda line they always use. <laughs> the party never produce anything. And that they make people sing these lines. Right. That's what this um, yeah. netizen was referring so, to. Yeah, you see the revolt that is happening there, and it would very likely snowball to be much bigger and bigger. And we shall keep a close eye on that. So next, we have to move our move to another platform, um, Kathy, right? Yeah. Remember on Friday we shared with you my interview with Dr. Paul Elias Alexander, who is an academic scientist and a COVID nineteen consultant researcher, and was uh, formerly worked in Trump administration's uh, HHS as a COVID nineteen science uh, uh, consultant, right? So he shared why China's uh, COVID, uh, zero COVID lockdown, do not even don't doesn't work, but also it's a catastrophic failure. Mm -hmm. Okay, which could generate you know very severe lethal sub 
variant mm -hmm. due to the pressure to the virus. And he told me also another, there's a second factor could also generate the same devastating effect. What is that? So please follow us to Safe Chat for the reason that you know we could not, unfortunately, share this um, content on this platform. So let's move over to Safe Chat. And it's, this factor not only relates to China, it also relates to the US and the whole world, uh, which is being done, a policy that's being done right now. Yep. So. The issue is many of these countries, China included, let us assume that the wait was for a vaccine, that we will adopt a zero COVID response up top and we wait for this vaccine that will end the pandemic. Well, we just discussed the zero COVID, of COVID approach is devastating. It is devastating because it denies the population getting any background natural immunity for any future exposures. It denies the healthy population to be naturally exposed and that they can develop natural immunity to protect the vulnerable when they all come together again. Because you can't keep the vulnerable and the healthy apart forever. And we're going to wait for this vaccine. But the problem, Kathy, is the vaccine failed. The mRNA lipid nanoparticle vaccines failed out of the box. The Pfizer and Moderna vaccines did not properly protect the upper airways. And the 95% the relative risk reduction was a bogus figure. We've run the numbers. It does not reach 50% relative risk reduction. Plus, it was never relative risk reduction that was the metric. It was the absolute risk reduction that was needed to be relayed to the population and to the policymakers. The absolute risk reduction for the Pfizer vaccine was 0.7%. And I believe the Moderna was 1.05%. We are talking about absolute risk reduction, absolute risk difference that was almost zero. These vaccines never worked. And history will show that. But let me explain to you what I'm trying now. Pfizer and Moderna told the FDA in America that our vaccines were only designed to reduce symptoms. They do not stop the vaccinee, the person becoming vaccinated from becoming infected of the virus replicating in them or from transmitting the virus. I want to say it again, Pfizer and Moderna in their written submissions, instructed the FDA who gave the emergency use authorization and the FDA has stated it, including the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky, came on in news after the Barnes-Stable Massachusetts outbreak to say that these vaccines do not stop transmission. In immunological terms, these vaccines are what we call non-sterilizing. Non-sterilizing means they do not sterilize the, vac the virus. They do not confer immunity. They do not do what a vaccine should do. So it begs the question, why were they brought in the beginning? It does not stop transmission. If I am taking a vaccine that does not stop me from transmitting the infection to you, Kathy, if I were exposed, what was the reason for me taking the vaccine? And that is the problem. Today, we have all of these people in the world, in America, etc., millions who have been vaccinated are now becoming infected. Why? 
because we have been arguing a year. Again, myself, Dr. Van den Bosch, Dr. McCullough, Dr. Malone, Dr. Reich, etc., Dr. Oso, Dr. Ladapo. We've been saying, stop. Stop these mRNA vaccines. Stop them. They do not stop transmission. They have failed. Moreover, we also argue, based on the data we've seen in CDC itself, these vaccines carry severe harms, myocarditis, pericarditis, Guillain-Barre, Bell's palsy, paralysis, etc. We have children dropping dead on the soccer field as soon as they've taken the vaccine. So we know that the vaccine actually was not properly tested for safety. How could they? They took a 15-year process that you need to develop a vaccine, and they boiled it down into three to four months. They could have never tested for safety. So we do not know in one to two years to three years what will happen to millions of people across the world who've taken these vaccines. That's a separate discussion, but that is a devastating discussion of what could be coming. But today, Gerd van den Bosch, who's probably one of the top immunologists, virologists in the world, I think he's a veterinarian also, he's articulated this the best. Look, if you took a non-sterilizing vaccine, which this is, they do not stop transmission. In effect, what you are doing is you are mass vaccinating. You are, we have rolled out these vaccine programs to the population in a mass way. So millions being vaccinated all at once, quickly. If you mass vaccinate, history shows us, if you mass vaccinate a population with a non-sterilizing vaccine that does not cut the chain of transmission, you will never, ever get to herd immunity, ever, with the vaccine. But there's an additional part you need to understand. Because the vaccine does not drive um, vaccinal antibodies that could eliminate the virus, that could prevent infection, that could prevent replication and prevent transmission, then you are not eliminating the virus. What you are doing is you are putting the virus under pressure, but you're not eliminating it. You're not killing it. The virus is responding to that pressure. You have the virus proliferating in the environment. Remember, we are vaccinated in the midst of a pandemic. We have never done that before. You never implement a vaccine program during a pandemic or an epidemic. That is why we roll out flu vaccine. Separate discussion, flu vaccine does not work, separate. We'll deal with that another time. But they're sensible enough to know basic immunology. You roll out the flu vaccine at the end of summer, beginning of fall. You never roll it out during December, January, February when flu is raging and on the battlefield. You cannot roll out the vaccine when the virus is circulating because then the immune response cannot be properly set because you are rolling it out during when the virus or your enemies is on the battlefield with you. How could you set your weapon when the enemy is circulating? The enemy will be attacking you. And that's what happened is happening here. We have mass vaccinated a population with a vaccine that is suboptimal and does not confer sterilizing immunity. In the midst of a pandemic, whilst the Omicron is circulating and very infectious, 
So while the population is trying to mount an immune response, the virus is infecting people. That is why people who are vaccinated are becoming infected because they cannot, they do not have the time to mount the effective immune response because the virus is circulating. As they're mounting the immune response, people are becoming infected. That's what would it be the consequence? The consequence of this is, as Good Van den Bosch explains, the consequence of this is the fact of the matter is not even that, that you are vaccinated in the midst of a pandemic. You are vaccinated with a vaccine that, that is based on the initial Wuhan strain, the legacy strain of the virus. The content of the vaccine is for the Wuhan strain. That is gone a year now. It's long gone. We have Omicron subvariant BA2. The vaccine antibodies do not hit, cannot neutralize the Omicron spike. It's a complete mismatch. That is why the vaccine is not working. And Gert explains it beautifully, and I will say it eloquently in one or two sentences, not getting too technical. If you mass vaccinate using a non-sterilizing vaccine, in the midst of a pandemic, when virus is circulating as it is here, then natural selection, natural Darwinian selection will select from among the circulating variants those that have a competitive advantage, those that are fittest and hardiest and in viral terms, most infectious. The virus naturally selects amongst itself, those are the most infectious variants, and those will be enriched in the environment and pulled forward. It is those variants that will now be spread prolifically and become the new dominant variant. That is what happened with Delta, and that is what happened with Omicron, BA1, BA1.1, and BA2 subvariants. And that is the danger. The danger is, if you keep using these non-sterilizing vaccines and you do not stop, we are going to create variants every two months that are highly infectious and this pandemic will go on for 100 years. 100 years, it will never stop. But importantly, I said earlier, I will remind you again, the risk is that whilst the virus by Mueller's ratchet mutates downwards to become least lethal and most infectious, there is a chance because we are talking about replication of the viral genome that happens in fractions of a second and a lot of moving parts, nucleotides, etc., base pairs and all of that taking place. The wrong molecules and, and uh, line up to form the genetic copy etc. And that is where the variant emerges. We run the risk, though, of generating a lethal variant. It is not impossible. There is a chance that in all of these very infectious variants that this suboptimal vaccine program is driving that could potentially devastate humanity. And that is a virologist's greatest fear. A virologist anywhere in this world who are making vaccines, no, but the greatest danger for them, the greatest mistake 
to ever go down in history for them with their names connected to it is to bring a vaccine that does not sterilize the virus and in fact drove the emergence of variants that could turn around and harm people we are seeing that today and that is why people like myself are speaking out that is why we wanted to drop the vaccine mandates in in washington and we had this rally in california in la etc because we understand the vaccines have failed the vaccines must be stopped if we do not stop them we will have variant after variant and we could run the risk of damaging the globe not china not america i am talking about the globe this is a very very serious matter right now so dr alexander if i understand correctly the lethal variant could be generated uh, mainly because of the pressure uh, the virus yes. is receiving so one continuous lockdown do that uh, yes. mass vaccine will do that so the yes. both yes listen any pressure and you're using the correct term and if a purist wants to say well please describe to me what pressure means please let's be adults here you know what pressure means okay any pressure you put the virus under it will respond whether lockdowns whether shielding use whatever term you want whatever pressure that you put on it so that it cannot get to you to infect you it will respond because it wants to do one thing it wants to get to the human host to infect you harmlessly not to kill you so when a virus i'll tell you when a virus a new a new um, pathogen comes along and by chance it is lethal quickly if you watch it if it doesn't die out instantly because if it is very lethal it will kill all of the hosts instantly and it's gone forever because it killed everyone but if it's kind of lethal and not too lethal but kills some people but allowed some to survive those that survive and are infectious you will see over time that that lethal strain will disappear and it will dumb itself down to become non-lethal but highly infectious so 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 the virus is operating in the society there's a lot of dynamics taking place between the virus and the population and we need to understand it and study it and the principal issue is you put pressure on the virus it will respond and the lockdowns that the key problem with these lockdowns in shanghai is you are preventing your population from getting closer to any level of natural immunity so that if in the future more infectious variants come along the people in shanghai will be not just susceptible like today they will be highly susceptible in the future especially if that new variant or sub variant has enough mutations that the immune system as looks at it as a new kind of almost a new pathogen so you will become infected the reality about it is that is basic immunology and how the system works and what we have done now is totally antithetical to what the society should be doing in fact the more you lock down you are suffering your people they can't get food they they lock down they isolated you are actually weakening the immune system even more because the immune system your immune system Kathy minds your friends your family whatever children it works by being taxed and tuned up daily our immune systems must be exposed to pathogen routinely 
routinely. So our immune system is always online and functional. When you close the person down and you shut them away, our immune systems were never worked or, or, or didn't, didn't function. And now you are trying to come back out with an immune system that's offline and all these pathogens are still there that normally your functional immune system would deal with. But now your immune system is suboptimal. You did that. We did that. And that's what we say locking down has so many implications. We've never done this before. Never. If it didn't work then, why would it work now? Stop. Stop. Just stop. I totally got your point. I think it's a very important message. So I am very grateful that you took the time to listen. Um, if people want more information, my website is drpaulalexander.com. That's Dr. Paul, P-A-U-L, Alexander, A-L-E-X-A-N-D-E-R.com. No caps, no spaces. Everything I say, I write about daily. It's on my website. Check it out. But please, this is, it's not just my opinion. I, I work with McCullough, Malone, Vanderbilt daily. We are very heavily worked in COVID and informed. Sit back and think of what I just shared and share it with people and see if you could get a conversation going with the society. Thank you again, Dr. Alexander, for sharing your insights. Okay, so that'll be all for tonight. And uh, I'm your host, Wei Fang. I'm Kathy Zhang. Yeah, due to time limitation, we could not uh, go through your comments and uh, today, tonight, but we'll catch up with the next time. Uh, likewise, we don't have any joke for you, but just be patient. Yeah, still please leave your comments. Subscribe if you have not, and uh, little bell, press on that, and press the like, which help, uh, you know, propel this, uh, how to say, deliver this uh, channel to more people, all right? Have a good night and uh, take care. Take care. Be and safe. See you. Yeah, and see you on Wednesday. All right. Bye bye. Bye.